Ladies and gentlemen, you are now rocking with the Trying to Be Grown podcast. We have a very special guest in the building today. I am your host, Imani Carter. Over there is my esteemed co-host, Mr. Byron Keaton. We have Coach Kevin. The second, bro. The, the second. The second. With us today, K. Rich. What's up? Messing up his name, man. The oh second. man, I ain't had no. I knew it was a second. I knew it was a second. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. I was just man, I'm good, man. man. Living How good. You doing up bro. There, Can't bro. complain about where I'm at right now. Just thriving and surviving. That's what's up. I think mm-hmm. I think what I did is Riley is the third and K Rich is the second. I just everybody got the two and the three on the back of the jerseys. I'm I'm messing up over here. Your host is is killing it to start us off. But I before we even get into the intro, Rich, you have known the both of us for a very long time. And knowing us, I need you to answer this right now. Out of the two of us, who hey, is the man, most I ain't gonna lie. Me about I coached you too, so I got to see you from two different sides. I'm gonna say you, bro. I'm going to just say you. Thank you. I, mm-hmm. Thank I saw you argue with not only one set of teammates, but two completely different sets of teammates. I wasn't arguing you with was that cool set of teammates. There, I was cool over there. You did some discussions that you didn't necessarily agree on every time that something came up. And I knew how to get mm. going. It, it's the, th- it's the thing. <laughs> you can get Byron going, but once you get going, it's not going to stop. It'll probably go on for a week. Y'all, I watched y'all argue about the same thing for, I think, about three days straight in the same locker room. So, I mean. I've seen but that's y'all. That's what I'm saying. When it's y'all, both parties way, have so to be keep, involved. You'll keep going. Byron will just walk away from the situation. If it- Damani has an ongoing six-month argument with Brito right now. Six months. Uh. Excuse me. Are we talking? To, are you are you talking to me in that chair, knowing that you've been arguing with Chase about Russell Westbrook every day every since day the start of the NBA it regular season? Every day, every it's day. Based on no, new it is games. every day. You are arguing with every Rito. day. Just, it is the same just, argument just every day. Ninety percent of the time. Thank you. No man. I just asked a question. Okay. As a host, no, that's man. my job. Just because I'm better at it than him does not mean that I'm just I'm I'm I pulling didn't. this out of left field. Should we on a podcast? But no, nah, Byron. Every time that my phone rings and it's Twitter, I know that it's gonna be you or Chase talking about Russell Westbrook. And seventy five percent of the time, I I'm disagree. Right. You go right there. You see, I'm not gonna, okay. I'm not gonna argue yeah. right here. He want to argue and right now. I'm not gonna do. I'm gonna say y'all will get started. Once y'all get started, be hard yeah, to whatever. stop y'all. That's what I can say about both of y'all. I'm just passionate. That that is true, and. I will, I will, I'll leave it. I'll go ahead and try to try to bolster my argument a little bit and lead us along. Wherever you rocking with us, we appreciate y'all rocking with us. Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you at. Um, Byron, let me let me go ahead and let you, being that you in the DB room with this guy, go ahead and give us an intro, on Mr. Richardson. So, for a second. I can't tell you all the things that Mr. Richardson have done, but I'm just gonna highlight some of the main things. One. Came to Arkansas as a walk-on, ended up all SEC. Now he's moved mm. to the other side of the field. Well, I guess not the other side of the field, but the other side. He's now moved into the coaching realm. Has been at basically every single level in collegiate sports, and now he just got promoted to is a defensive back Defense. or yeah, defensive backs coach for Long Island University up there with Coach Cooper, as well as some other people that were also at Arkansas while we were there. But, yeah, even Jet said and Trent said. I don't know about all that, man, but, you know, 
I'm working. That's all it really is. It's just getting to it, man. Like I've been, you know, once I got into it, I really can't thank like Coach Rose them enough, bro, because he really had talked me into it. I don't know if you remember, like in a, in a interview, he was saying that he don't know what I want to do when I was done playing football. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was done playing football. Mm-hmm. He was like, man, you, you make a damn good coach one day. I'm like, I ain't think nothing of it. You know, I'm just trying to play football. Yeah, I'm just trying to get to the league like everybody else and, you know, start to get real serious when you get done. And you're like, man, I don't know what I want mm-hmm. to do. Some people go back and chase football for their whole life, and that's hard to do, bro, like especially after having you. You had a lot of surgeries. I had one major surgery. It just it wasn't the same after. So you had one. The money you had. So- mm-hmm. Yeah, I just actually had my first surgery ever. What was it October of 2019? And I've had, had another four. one since then. So you, mean, you know, like that's a lot of surgeries. That's a lot of like, mm-hmm. you know, chase football for you know five six years after I'm done playing. I feel like it's a waste of what I could be getting to immediately. And Coach Rose, you know, kind of threw me a lot, man. He um, he talked me into, like, going to the lowest level of football, so NAIA. It's not necessarily a bad thing to start there, but he said it'll teach you, you know, if you love the game from a different perspective instead of a, a player. You know, so you're going to have to, you know, switch between those roles of being like a player, move towards being like in that coaching role. And, you know, starting at that school, man, like, I had to paint the fields. We were cutting the grass. I was like the equipment manager. I was almost like the academic counselor. I was the deep, I was a corners coach. I had to do everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like all the different hats that you had to wear kind of showed you like what Coach Rose said, man. Like this is this really what you want to do? And I, I ain't gonna lie, I questioned it at one point. I was like, man, I don't know. Like this is too much. Like one, you don't get no free time to yourself, and it's at the low level. So I'm like, yeah. Imagine it working a Coach B schedule. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, Coach B schedule as a player. You thinking, oh yeah, he's you know he holding us here hostage all day. No, he letting y'all get free time compared to what we had to do as a staff, bro. It's lots of hours, but like it's beneficial because like you you learning as you sitting in the building every day, and it's not just like you going to work, sitting in the cubicle, punching in numbers and stuff. You going in, you kicking it, you talking about football. You know, you building relationships with a bunch of different coaches that can help you network and get to where you really want to get to ultimately. And, um, you know, I could really say, bro, it's a blessing for real because I ain't think nothing about, like, getting the coaching for real. Now I'm making money living in New York City, you know, yeah. like doing something. A kid from Arkansas, like neither one of us, bro, never thought about doing it. I'm mm-hmm. in a whole other city. I'm closer to my girl. So, you know, it's a blessing, bro, for real. I can say that about, you know, getting into coaching. Yeah. Yeah, Rich is out there in Brooklyn. A shout out to the greatest rapper in human history, the Jigga Man Jay Z. But uh, just to just to go to go to your comment about crossing over, Byron. Uh, I knew Rich had crossed over because you know we used to be teammates. You know, I'm thinking when I get out there on the field, he referenced this that he was at my school. He was at Northeastern State for you know a couple, not a couple months, but a semester. And uh, he sent me back on a drill. He sent me back on a drill. So I knew at that point that Rich was no longer one of us. I did it on purpose, too. I said, man, I'm going to get under Bonnie's skin, bro. I just wanted to see, to see if he was going to, you know, combat me like he would. <laughs> like he would combat you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like y'all get to arguing. I want to see if he'll do it with me because I'm in the coaching role. Now, 
I saw, I clearly saw the money touch the line. I just wanted to push it a little bit. I'm going, boys, okay. The money ain't touched the line. The money got to go back. Make an example out of them. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself hey, so Rich, become the villain. If he would have started arguing, oh, what would you have done? Oh, Damani taking a lap. I wasn't going to play no games. Damani. <laughs> <laughs> what? And he a leader on the team, so I knew he went. This was going to set the example. It's going to set the standard of how he's going to hold Damani accountable. So I just wanted to see how he would act. And he ain't say nothing. Man. Back to the line, redid the drill again. You I said, me as the Damani's a leader right there. I like that. That's all, you know, I get coaches pushing buttons, but, like, sometimes I did it because I know the money. If it was anybody else, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't be surprised if you'd have got some kind of combat, combativeness and back to it, but the money, I know I could push the button a little bit. Yeah. That was, mm. that was, that was my first time. First time pushing the button. I'm, like I'm that. Used it had to, to be the money if I was going to do it. <laughs> now, I feel picked on, but I'm going to go ahead and leave that alone. So you being in the coaching ranks, obviously you're newer to the profession, but like you said, you know, you've had some experience. You've, you've been able to see some things at, uh, at some, at various spots, um, transitioning into the role of just, just a position coach. Has there been anything especially difficult about making that transition? Does anything stick out? The biggest difference now, um, I think it's more just managing the room, dealing with everything that you got to deal with. You know, you got to manage, you know, eight, especially as a, you got a big position group being a DB coach. You, you got receivers, you got O-line, you got, those mm-hmm. are the, pretty much the biggest position groups. And you got to manage all of those different personalities. You still got to cater to the different type of coaching styles that these kids can accept. Um, another thing is you got to deal with recruiting. Because now you got to recruit your own position. You got to recruit your own area. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you're dealing with, you know, just managing the game plan process of everything. And now we're not in season right now. Now you start to deal with learning the new system. You know, like this is the, this would be my fourth place in four years that I moved. And, you know, I've been in multiple different defenses. Now it's starting to get to where I got, you know, a seat at the table to where my opinion matters in game plan. And so you try to look at it from that different avenue and kind of take into consideration that you got to manage being their position coach, mentor, you know, leader. And then you got to manage learning a new system. You got to manage teaching it to them. Then you got to manage recruiting kids and then still recruiting the kids that you got on campus because their transfer portal is serious. So you want to keep the talent that you already got. And it's a lot mm-hmm. of things that come with, you know, wearing a hat now and being, a, you know, head of a room, you know, that, comes with you know time it's gonna take time to do that and as a position coach at this level you got to figure it out real fast and i think that time is you know something that we all know you can't get back so you got to take advantage of the little time that you get learning the different skills that you got to learn and managing them all put it all together to be a complete position coach yeah and one thing i wanted to know is is there anything that you've realized since becoming a coach that you wish you would have known as a player like any lessons every single day it's always something that pop up like just whether it be like how dedicated a lot of the kids are you get to see we all had teammates that weren't really dedicated to the game you know like they they come there to college to kick it you know so you get to see those kids that's actually dedicated to it and sometimes it look like man damn was i really was i really dedicated to it like that because you know they put they all into this stuff man i don't know exactly you know how deep into it i was and i and i think that i like to 
I like to work, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like to lead. You remember, we, we used to go up there on some Saturdays, do, like, footwork or something like that. I would go up there and Coach yeah. Rose told me to work on tackling. I'd go out there and tackle the dummy. But, like, these kids are, like, almost to – one of them actually came up to me the other day and said, Coach, I'm fiending for the new drills. I'm like, what? You fiending for the drill? Hey, bro, don't tell me all that. Like, we're going to get to the drill work, bro. But don't tell me you fiending for it. But he like, Coach, I'm trying to get to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think just as, as far as, like, the dedication to it, I think, like, looking back, seeing as dedicated as a lot of these kids are, I feel like, man, I could have poured into it a little bit more and kind of, one, held some teammates accountable a little bit more, too, because, you know, like I said, we ain't have all our teammates dedicated to trying to help us win games all the time. And, you know, being a leader on the team, I feel like I could have held them a little bit more accountable. Yeah. Well, I mean, sure, you got you definitely wearing a hat right now where you gotta hold people accountable. And I'm I'm just wondering, uh, as a young coach, you know, being somebody that's not as far removed from, you know, just playing collegiate ball, living a collegiate lifestyle, is it would you say it's easier to connect with guys just on, on that level and maybe is it tougher just for them to see you in that I think you know, that's coaching one of the biggest challenges you face as a young coach, especially like a young black coach, because they always think like, oh, he's still going to be viewing himself as a player. He's going to want to hang out with them. I've been, I moved past that, you know, like you saw our GAs, you know what I'm saying? Like you cool with the GAs, but it's to a point now where you got to establish that coach, you know, coach player relationship instead of like, oh, this is my homie. And that's still going to be like that because you can connect mm-hmm. with them that type of way and you know, you got the same kind of music taste, the same kind of clothing taste, shoes taste, you know, just nightlife taste. So y'all all do the same type of thing. But I think the biggest challenge is one now trying to establish that player coach relationship because I am young. You know, I'm like the second youngest coach on our staff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, between me and the uh, receiver coach, both of us are the two youngest. But we deal with the biggest personalities, I could say, on the team with it being receivers so oh, you know like just trying to make sure that they understand mm-hmm. like all right look i'm like we cool i'm gonna look out for you i'm gonna make sure you set up for success i'm gonna <clears> teach <throat> you everything you need to know that i you know kind of gathered along the process of being a coach now um that i didn't know as a player and i could pass those things off to you but as far as like being my homie yeah you my boy like we can talk you know we can talk about life we can talk about music we can talk about clothing we can talk about all that type of stuff but when it come down to it i'm your coach you know what I'm saying? You're going to respect my opinion. You're going to respect my voice whenever it comes to things that I'm, that I'm for sure on. You can challenge it, you know, because everybody needs to be challenged. If you ain't getting challenged at what you're doing, then you ain't growing as a coach. But, you know, like just establishing that relationship, being so young, letting them know, like, look, I'm cool with you, but I still – this is my job. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to jeopardize my job for a, relation, a personal relationship every single time that we get to – talking about stuff but I, do I want to see you have success do I want to know about your family life yeah I want to make sure that you have a success you know that everything's good with you mentally because that's a big thing now you want to make sure kids mental health is good so you got to keep that player coach relationship but at the same time be sure you can relate to the players that's what I try to do you know I'm still young so I look at it that way but I still try to maintain that I'm your coach relationship too yeah, and so you talked a little bit about how you have to manage personalities. Um, kind of everybody's different. How much, when did you realize how much of a hurdle that actually is in coaching? 
Um, did you learn that as like as a GA um, or at your time in North? When did you realize that? You know, because I, I would have never thought of that. I really realized it. Like, huh? You well, know no, that just like managing the personalities. When you think of a coach like he's just coaching football, you're not thinking about the other part of it. Now, D line, you can't talk about DBs because D line one, Demonte, you've been in a whole bunch of different a bunch of different rooms. Listen. So you that know is, what you're talking about. That's why I know what I'm talking so about. You know what I'm you're talking you. about. The D-Bays and the receivers. D-line, you know, you got some big – you got big personalities in the D-line too. All I can say is that I actually learned – But not, not diva personality. But like y'all, but some of them. y'all the picky, you know. I ain't going to go into too much detail about that. I'm going to answer Byron's question. Yeah, I'm not so, I'm not gonna interrupt no I think more. I go learned ahead. it best as a player, to be honest. Like just seeing how you remember the story Coach Rose told us about Revis? Yeah. So that story mm-hmm. right there really sat with me and I was like, Okay, I get it, you know. Like, cause I approached my teammates differently. I didn't talk to everybody the same, you know, because you know, I was the captain on the team, bro. Like I just tried to be sure that I was relatable to everybody, you know, not just you know, the people that look like me, the people that play the same position as me, you have to be relatable to everybody. And I think just that story Coach Rose told us about, like, Revis and how you have to manage how you coach kids and how you, you know, deal with their different types of learning styles, I think that right there taught me, you know, that's in 27, 2016, 2017 when he told us that story. You know, I think I learned then, like, how to manage different personalities. And, like, you have to be open and comfortable with everybody in the room to be able to have a conversation that, you know, will make sure that everybody is everybody, you know, like you can't, you can't treat everybody the same in the aspect of like, I'm going to coach you hard. I'm going to be able to cuss at you. I'm going to be able to say all of this stuff to you. And I can do this to the same kid who, you know, dealing with some type of mental health issue or something going on. You know, like there's different ways that you got to approach it. And that's why you got to manage, you know, like that player coach person that like, personal relationship that way you can understand when the kid's going through something you know like to be able to scale it back some or push a kid a little bit more you know so you start to develop that early in your career but I think I learned it whenever I was a player yeah well this is um, this is kind of a a fanatic question, but uh, you can you can give us a snippet of, of the Reva story, or is it a private story? You talking about the Reva story? Yeah, man. It's, I mean, that's the greatest, at least one of the greatest yeah. corners so, like, ever to play football. You, you know, got Coach Rose coached in Pitt, right? Up his name. Um, so he's coaching, and I think mm-hmm. he said that Revis was like a freshman, and he knew he was going to be a really talented kid because he had started playing. And um, I guess, you know, he, Coach Rose liked to teach with the, the lights out so, you know, you can see everything going on, um, especially from the back of the room because it is one of the bigger rooms that you're going to coach, you know, having all the DBs in the same room. And he said that one day, you know, he's teaching and he's coaching Revis and he coached him like a little harder than what he had normally done in his time there. And, um, you know, he's looking across the room, you know, everybody reacted differently to how he had talked to him. And he looked back in the back of the room and saw Revis. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about his personal you know, feelings that he had towards it, but he noticed something, you know, he noticed something kind of in the process of like just scanning across the room while he's teaching it to him. And he looks back and he sees Revis like, you know, visually, you know, emotional about like how he had coached him. So Coach Rose, you know, in 
Coach Rose is one of the best coaches I've ever had. I'm not even going to lie to you. Byron probably can attest to that. And, you know, how he went about managing that situation, he just walked walked to the back of the room. You know, those Cowboys long as shit, so you can, like, walk across the whole room. So he walked to the back of the room. You know, he just kind of put his hand on, on Reva's shoulder, you know, like as he's coaching. And everybody else, you know, your eyes going to be forward because you got to pay attention to what's going on. You know, he kind of kept them after the – after the meeting, and he said that day he realized that you can't coach every kid the same, you know. And that one moment, I was like, okay. So, how he coached Santos, Andre, me, Byron, Pulley, Coley, you know, different names in that room. He couldn't coach us all the same because everybody responded to things differently. And I realized that even, you know, like the walk-on kids who didn't really play a lot, he you have to manage like how you coach all of those different one personalities, but different walks of life you know like some kids can't afford to be in school some of them struggling to even be in classes you know and then some kids dealing with personal things back home so you got to be able to manage how you approach those different kids and different personalities and I realized that in a room full of a bunch of different kids that all right I can't really be talking to everybody the same either you know like as a teammate you know I know kids gonna be going through things too and I can say kids I was old as shit I was like fucking 24, 23. <laughs> and so I, I learned that at that point how to manage all those different things. Well, that's, I mean, that's invaluable advice. I can't even, I don't even have a follow-up to that. But Byron, you wanted to ask something about, you know, your lack of ability to withstand cold weather, what it's like moving from the north to the Excuse me, from the south to the north. Well, man, let you get that up. Let's see. I didn't move closer to the cold every time that I moved. So I was in Kansas City. That was my first job. It snowed. Mm-hmm. It was snowing when it wasn't supposed to snow. You know what I'm saying? Like, we dealing with <laughs> snow all the time. And I moved from there, and I moved to Northeastern. It didn't snow as much. You know, it maybe snowed twice while I was there. We had some ice, but that was close enough to be in Fayetteville. So I was kind of. It was around the same type of weather that I experienced in college. And then I moved yeah, from, from the same, there to Illinois. So I get to Illinois in January. The first thing they tell me, so the recruit coordinator named Pat Emilton, that's my guy. Today's birthday. Shout out my guy, Pat. Um, you know, so he, he get there. He from Illinois. You know, he grew up. He been at the University of Illinois as a recruit in the recruiting role for a long time. He tell me, yeah, man, it's not going to snow a lot. You know, he said, we really don't see that much snow. I'm like, okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking, I'm in the north. I'm finna get a whole lot of snow. Bro, it's snowing the next day. And it's <laughs> and it snowed for like, like a week and a half, bro. You can look. It's on my Snapchat stories, bro. Like, I'm like, man, they talking about it's not going to snow up here, bro. It snowed for like a week. And we had like snow on the ground for like three weeks. And I'm talking about like two and a half, three feet of snow. It's not like no baby snow. You know how we, we in Fayetteville, it's snowing an inch. We had a school for like a week. Yeah, we get three feet of snow up there, bro. You in you in class? Mm-hmm. They gonna clear the roads up. You gonna be busting your ass where you gotta walk to, but you gonna be in class. They ain't canceling nothing up there in the north. And I moved from there to here. Same thing. I get here. It's snowing the very next week that I'm here. I'm like, man, I can't get away from it. It's still cold now. It's freezing. It was 68 one day. You wake up the next day. It's snow on the ground. So. The, one of the first things you had to buy once you got up there had to be like a big coat, huh? Bro, that, look, so Illinois, it's a it's a FBS, you know, it's a Division One program. They can provide those types of things. We moving in the right direction here, so, you know, it's going to take a little time to get that type of stuff. But 
I, I brought my Illinois coat with me over here. That's how cold it is right here, right now. And that Illinois See. coat is it's luxury. I'm not even going to lie. It's luxury to get that type of stuff from a big school. So I'm going to hold on to that type. Of, I still get all my Arkansas stuff. You know, the big Arkansas coat, the, mm-hmm. all the other sports got that we didn't get. The big one, I got that one. I still travel with that one around with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you noticed any difference between people from the South and the North? Oh, man. So like, like is the culture the same or what? My girl from the north, you know, she from. Uh, you think Ohio Midwest, or you think that's north? Either one, fine with me. It's north. It's in yeah, Arkansas. I've heard both. North. But I'm, yeah. Does she say? Does she really say Midwest say or does she say Midwest? North? But I'm just saying it's the north. To, it's north of us. Yeah, I'm saying oh, okay. it's north of us. So anytime I think about people from oh, for the north, sure. for sure. They rule, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. They rule. <laughs> it ain't no manners. It ain't no manners up here. It's like walking in New York, bro. I don't know if y'all know about traffic for real. Like we can think we saw some traffic down there, but this traffic up here is reckless. First off, you can you can you don't fear for yourself driving. You fear about the other people around you because you don't know what's gonna happen in the next two or three lane changes. Like it's people moving all over. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Like moving through traffic, and they gonna they gonna speed. You look up, you doing fifty. The speed limit say fifty. It's people doing eighty driving through traffic. You like, oh, <laughs> come on, bro. Like it ain't even that serious. We get to the same spot at the same time. It really don't matter. But like it's rude. It's rude people in the north. I can't say that about up here. I ain't gonna say everybody like that. But yeah, you don't have people holding the door like, oh yeah, you know, come on in. You know, like you you know, we hold the door. Or like mm-hmm. somebody hit one of them light jogs, people gonna walk. They ain't gonna mm-hmm. take no light. <laughs> At that point, I'm like, you know, I'm a, I'm gonna let the door go slowly, but I try to be nice, you know, trying to keep my southern hospitality. It's hard to do up here. I'm trying not to, I'm not, I'm trying not to adapt to the north. I'm trying to keep my same southern hospitality while I'm up here. Well. Well, we are certainly glad to hear you doing well, and especially as a young black coach in the space, we wish you all the best. And for all of the black coaches out there, you know, you setting an example, so props to you for that. So transitioning off of that, um, there's a bit of an age difference between you. You just referenced your your significant other. Shout out to Jay. Uh, And we've been wanting to talk about this for a minute, so we're glad that we got somebody that fits the bill a little bit. Um you know, maybe not super significant to a lot of people, but I say four years, excuse me, three and a half years is, you know, a bit of an age gap. Is there anything I'd say notable that sticks out about dating somebody that's younger than you? Um, not really. I think first off, I think women mature way faster than men. I think we can all attest to that. We all still play. Y'all still playing video games? I've heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not as much. I play some, but not as much. Okay. Heavily. You still play a video? Oh, you? That's because you're busy. I still play heavily. How do you buy me? Uh, I probably play. Uh, how old am I? I'm 24. 24. So it's still, you can still play your game a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it gets to a point where, you know, women don't put, they don't wake up, they don't grow up playing video games like we do. You know what I'm saying? Like, we fully invested into it. We get to argue about 2K. Yeah, I know y'all argue about 2K, about mad, about all of that type of stuff. So, I mean, Oh, I got I got film on. I, it's pretty. It's, it's film. I, I ain't gonna say nothing. I ain't gonna say nothing. 
I'm gonna jump on you, Damani. I'm gonna push the button. Gonna push the Hey, hey, no, no, no. I'm going to just go ahead and address that now, Rich. Put it to you this way. If you went to the Smithsonian Museum and you saw the most amazing thing that you ever saw in your entire life, you probably want to take a picture, take a video, right? That's why people take videos when they beat That's why you take videos when you beat me? That's why, right there, because it's so rare and it's so crazy. No, that's because you're hilarious when you lose. That's why I take videos of you. That's just because that one you're hilarious and two you will lie about it. Those are the two reasons. It's one you're hilarious and two evidence. you will lie about it. I got you. I get that part. But I've seen y'all have some arguments before mm-hmm. with video games. Gotta be. And that's something women don't do. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like yeah. Women don't. I think they mature a lot faster than us. That is very true. And that's very what's true. crazy is, bro, I never thought, you know. So my girl is my baby sister age. You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, I ain't never see myself dating somebody younger than me, you know, but like seeing the maturity, like seeing, mm-hmm. you know, like the drive, like that's somebody that motivates you. You know what I'm saying? One, you got to have an ultimate motivator for somebody that's going to be, you know, that she's going to be your significant other, somebody you potentially see yourself being with long term. That's got to be somebody that motivates you to want more for yourself than you want for just them. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, and she do that for me. So I can say that just the maturity right. aspect right. and then like just the ability to still be myself, to still be like K Rich, you know, like to be playing a video game, to be goofy, you know what I'm saying? Like that keep me grounded in this super high class business world that I'm a part of. And I'm not saying that's just in every lane that you're going to walk in life because, you know, you still got to have some maturity. But I think Dating young don't always necessarily mean dating, you know, a kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's it's to a point right. where like you right. start right. to you feel that drive, like that motivation that somebody gonna give you, even if they're younger than you. Like I ain't gonna lie. No, I ain't gonna get into that. <laughs> I ain't gonna get into that. <laughs> just just know it's to the point where now like I feel like that she motivated me to do a whole lot for myself and I feel like that I got to reciprocate that towards her because she finishing up her career you know I got to encourage her to do what she want to do long term shout out to them they got a dub today they beat uh, my old school Illinois you know I think she got a couple a couple shots but you know I still got to motivate her just like she motivated me to do things and that's where you can reciprocate that energy you know people talk about you know you have to have a balance between like you know, building a relationship and just being fully invested into that relationship and then having a life outside of that. And I think with both of us, we didn't been away from each other for like four years now. And to see that maturity level between us two and then that motivation between us two to continue to do what we like to do is, you know, something you got to find in somebody that's younger than you, if you're going to date somebody younger than you. So it's never like a, it doesn't feel like it's an age gap. Even though I know I'm old as hell, I'm like three and a half years older than her. I got done playing at 24. I got done playing college yeah. at 20, playing college football at 24. She was 20, maybe when I got finished. So I was old. You feel me? So mm-hmm. I always looked at it like, well, she driving me, she motivated me to do what I want to do every single day, and then we still having fun doing it. So that's why I think an age gap don't really mean nothing. Now it get to a point. You look at like older older generations now. Your grandpa probably would be like 10, 11 years older than your than your grandma. That's weird to that's weird to me. 
but like this age gap now, it's, I think I don't think it get it's it's that bad right now. Like just where I'm at. Do you think it changes like once you get older in age though? Like if you're 45 and you're dating someone 55, that's not that big of a deal once at that point because you're like, right? We're both older. We're in the same points of our life, but when you're younger, especially like when you first hit 18 to 21, is kind of a gap of just like where you are mentally. See, and then you get. To- I get that, but think about it. Think about it from this way: Would you do you ever really see women dating younger than them? I don't think I so. Be, I was. Yeah, I don't think so. Go ahead and get into that. Most of the time, not. No, I don't see. I don't see it that often. They always no. look at somebody younger than them. It's like, oh, that's a kid, and they I, always call them a cougar, right? Mm-hmm. They always call them a cougar. But you look at men. Mm-hmm. You look at them dating younger, they think, oh, that's they sugar daddy. You know, they think of stuff like that. But you don't ever look at it from that avenue from a woman. You always see them dating up. You don't ever really see them dating down. So I think the age thing really play a factor in the women instead of us. Like, because we going to be us no matter what. You know what I'm saying? We're going to keep our same. Now, you're going to mature. You're going to grow, obviously, for your relationship. But I think it's that's a conversation for women. I think if you want to talk age gap, that's women gonna go on the rant on that one right there. I do. I don't know if it's necessarily more common. I'm just thinking of like people that I know, and I'm thinking it's a lot more like women that date older than men that date older. And I'm th- I'm, not, I'm trying to think of you know situations I I can think of with both scenarios happening. But usually in the cases of people I know, it's been women dating older than them. Um. And I guess kind of as a follow-up to that, I was told once that, like, if you date somebody that's older than you, you get to see, like, some of their life experiences and they kind of, they're able to better, like, usher you through those life experiences as they have, as you have them. So have you seen that, any? Have you been able to help her through just stuff that you've gone through, especially, like, you know, specifically in reference to athletics, you know, her, her doing her last year this year, her transition into what she's going to do next. So I think anything like that, looking at it from my perspective, I always think like she's already mature. Like her mom teach her everything finances. Hell, she teach me shit about stuff that Mm -hmm. I ain't know about, you know? So like I'm learning, I'm learning from her just like she learned stuff from me. But I think what she learned from me in this side of it now is just dealing with the real world. Like you said, cause I've been out of athletics for going on for, I don't know, like four years now. And, you know, I can't help her manage the side of like, you know, getting into the professional athletics world or, you know, and just enjoying your last year, no matter how good or bad it is. That last year we had one, you know, the best, but, you know, that's a whole nother thing. But like, just tell it. That's your last hey, year. My last year was even worse. We ain't going to talk about it. Talk about that. We're going to talk about that. But I think just talking to her about, like, just enjoying those last little moments of being a college athlete because you important right now. Once you put them cleats or them basketball shoes or the baseball bat or whatever you're playing, once you put that stuff away, you ain't the focal point no more. You got to work for mm-hmm. everything else is going to come your way. And that's why I try to say, like, and she's done, like, a unbelievable job compared to what I have or what I did um, just exploring – the different things that college can provide to you. Like she's been in, like she was, 
So I was in sack. I don't know. Was you? The money you was in sack, weren't you? I wasn't in sack either. Mm-mm. So, so sack, you know, kind of puts you in a different world of administration side of things. And she built a lot of good relationships. Like she is, she was like the women's basketball chair for a long time. And then she got to, you know, go do a summit with Commissioner Sankey. She actually got to vote on NCAA rule changes, like just building relationships in wow. that avenue. Like from an administration standpoint, I think she did an unbelievable job. And that's where, you know, I think that I did do that coming through college, but I don't think I did as as, as high intensity as she did. Like she explored those things. You know, she went to every one of the, you know, leadership councils that they had in Birmingham. She went to, um, she did an internship with Maria Taylor and, um, you know, in different places she'd been, uh, yeah, bro, she connected. Wow. Like she way more connected than him. You know what I'm saying? I'm so like, I, like I said, I think I learned more from her, you know, than anything. But I think just me being in the real world explaining, you know, about financial things, like, like I said, she learned a lot from her mom. Just like I'm still learning everything from my parents too. My mom and dad teach me a lot about finances and I'm 27, which, you know, we all going to continue to learn things about that. But the more we can provide for each other and what we learn can help us, you know, as far as like building a family in the future. Cool. That's good stuff, man. And now, see, I gotta ask the. I'm gonna I'm divert the messy question to to Byron. So, Byron, since we on the on the topic of dating outside your age range, you think you could date significantly older, significantly younger? Yeah, there's than a yourself? connection there. Well, I guess there's no way to do significantly younger than yourself now, just because we're only 24, 25. But let's just say significantly older for the. For the, just for the sake of argument, ten, 10 years older than you, could you do it? Ten, that's a, that's old. Mm-hmm. Well, not old, but you know what I'm saying. That's like if she was old enough to run for president, could you do it? I don't think so. I, I, okay, could I do it? Yes. Do I want to do it? No. Because I think you still need to be somewhat in the same part of your life, more or less, to like have like a good relationship. With anyone. Why do you say that? So you're saying that there's all the people that are 10 years removed nope. from their partners I, can't be I, in a good for relationship? Me, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't. That's not what I'm you're saying? I'm saying 10 you're saying years no. that don't work because at this point, 10 years don't work. Because if this person has been through, they're like basically in the middle of their career in which they've already hit somewhat, they've already jumped off the springboard. They're not at the very beginning to where they're trying to feel their way through things. It feels good knowing you can go through something with somebody. If you ten years apart, what y'all going through? That's the same. Other wouldn't than you, y'all ten years apart. But wouldn't you want? Wouldn't you want like some life experience? Somebody that can teach you something about it? Because like at this point, now, like you don't know a lot of stuff. You know, say somebody Correct. ten years older than you experienced everything else that you're about to go through, and they can help you walk through it in a better way than they did and they learned it and experienced it and you just now getting into it i'm not saying that it's the right thing to do today somebody 10 years older than you but i'm saying like as far as like making that decision can't you learn something from i don't think you can get it possibly but i don't think it would get to you in a relatable fashion Hmm. because then you're in like a whole different what they call it generational group 
Like I'm Gen Z, I'm I'm dealing with a, a middle millennial, not like a edge millennial. Like we deep into the millennial. They saw nine eleven when it was they were fifteen years old. I saw nine eleven when I was three. Hey, that, we got different experiences, man. Hey, it's crazy. <laughs> no, nah. no. Nah. But look, but just looking at looking at how far. Gen Z goes technically. If you want to put yourself in Gen Z, then yep. your generation is more than fifteen years. So I wouldn't do that either. I don't understand how. If you're looking at, I, I got about a five, look, five, this is what, five this years is what, each way buffer. After that, that's too much for me. Five years each way. Five years. That's it. So that's so. Okay. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying that that's like unreasonable for you to date people five years one way or the other but i'm saying six years plus and you're done like that's that, somebody's not even coming into your not your if they're they're six right years now. older than you i'm cutting it off at five that's my hard stop maybe in 10 years maybe we can you're branch it rigid. out but them experiences just not gonna match man then you're gonna be 10 years experience into something else that somebody ain't been yeah, that's, that's what i'm saying you know you got some experience Sometimes, that somebody else don't have you gotta go into some, some things blind though Either way, Sometimes you learn the best from situations where you fail. I agree. So you looking at going into that's just that's a weird way to describe relationships, bro. You've done that and you've described them like an NBA GM, just talking yeah. about age ranges and stuff. You just, I think the the way that you look at this as a whole is kind of weird. If you just had to, if you just said, nah, I wouldn't do it, then that. that I started off saying maybe I would do it if we connected. Ten, ten, ten years a lot, though. Because relatable. Ten is a lot. Ten is a lot. But listen, you just ten said years earlier, you ten was like, what if you're like 45 and someone like 55, you know, like. That's fine. Okay. It's, they're in the same walk of life, right? Kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, the only difference is, is when you inside or outside of college. I think that's the biggest difference. If you if you still in school and you date somebody ten mm-hmm. years older than you, then I get it. Like they in a whole different world than you in because they in the real world. You still experiencing college. You still experiencing getting drunk, going to parties, doing all that type of stuff. Versus they got to wait and go to work tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Like they got to do that. So I think, yeah, if you inside of college and it's it's going to be a, ga- a age gap that'll be, you know, a freshman to a senior. But if you're outside of college, I think it's where you start to you see that, you know, oh, he 30, he 20, you know, he 30, she like 20, 22, 23. It's still yeah. in college. Mm-hmm. But you know what I'm saying? You're not too far out of it. But once y'all are both out of college, I think it's like, all right, they both in the real world now. They experiencing different things. And I think that's why the dating pool hard now for a lot of people because, they don't understand that everybody all going through waking up, having to go to work tomorrow, having to spend time with trying to find time to spend with somebody else to build a relationship. But I don't know. I can't. Yeah. I, I, I guess I got a question for y'all now. So Damani, you still in college. I'm at that one year removed from college. K rich. Do you still feel like that young soul at order? Do you feel more like an adult now since you've been removed from college, hell, where are you at right now? Hell no, I don't ever feel like no old soul. Like that's, <laughs> I'll get there at some point, but I don't ever want to feel like I'm the old yeah. man because I'm still, you know, I feel like I'm in my prime. I feel like I'm still. If I wanted to hoop right now, I could still go hoop. If I wanted to swing a baseball bat, I could still mm-hmm. swing a baseball bat. I feel like I can do those type of things 
but I don't ever feel like I'm gonna lose that kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause that's that's how you enjoy things that's going on in life, and how you view view things with like an open glass. Like, cause if you view yourself as an old head, you think like, all right, I'm on the backside of where I'm trying to be. You know, like you think like, all right, I need to get this 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 and this in order. Versus, I'm gonna enjoy this where I'm at right now. I think that's where you start yeah. to feel like. If you keep that youth, that's gonna keep you feeling like keep you grounded. Now I'm not saying you can't be mature and be grounded, but you still keep your youth. You still have fun. You still enjoy the little things that you do every day. Um, for me, I feel like well, I mean, you know that I've I've kind of always been an old soul. So I mean, I feel I feel both sides of of this coin because in terms of you know, being a person that lives kind of a, a non, I mean, I still, I, I just, I, I don't necessarily get excited the way that you would think of a, like a typical collegiate excitement because, you know, I stay in the house, play the game, um, you know, just hang out. I, I sit around and, and do nothing and have a great day. Uh, but just looking at, I'd say that youth that, that K. Rich is talking about, I don't feel like, I feel like I'm going to be 60 years old and still telling stupid jokes, laughing at them, popping out, trying to you, scare people. You damn time. self so, hard to take. Um, actually, a matter of, while I, <laughs> mm-hmm, while I got y'all here, do you, uh, do you want to hear a time joke? traveler's joke? Oh, it's a hundred percent a dad joke. Do you want to hear a time traveler's sure. joke? Never mind, y'all didn't like it. That is a terrible joke. That's not Bro, a, that's good, a joke. good joke. You know that's a good mind, joke. Y'all didn't you like know it. that's a good joke. You know that's it's a good decent. joke. You he know that's a good joke. That's a good joke. That's a good joke. That's a good joke. <laughs> Where did I get that from? It was something. So you on mm-hmm. TikTok? No, it was TikTok. I got that from TikTok. I got that from TikTok. Maybe I am a kid. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, heavily, heavily. I'm an I'm a TikTok addict as of now. But yeah, but see, yeah, just going going. To, I do stuff like that, and I will at any given time. You can catch me riding down the street li- listening to the Temptations right after turning off Money Back Money Bag Yo. So that's just it's an interesting split. And I'll be leaving work, and I'll be tired. I'll be, I just want to come home. Kind of a weirdo like that. I just be. Yeah, I, I feel people when my parents used to come on just like they don't want to do nothing. I understand it now. Like work will it wear you out. And like when we were kids and like young, you're like, let's go do stuff. Nah, man, the energy ain't there no more. That's what it sounds. So you've transitioned into an old. Song Not yet. I'm, I'm getting there. I still hoop up like two to three times a week, work out and stuff. It's just I don't have. I'm not bouncing off the walls like I used to. And I realized what my parents were going okay. through growing up. I can up. appreciate that. Hmm. Well, let's just let's go ahead and transition off that into this last thing. So, being that like you you, you say you got a block from the Barclays walk. Center, we know it's walking distance from the crib. Okay, so we got to ask you about this trade that just went down. You know, it's still recent news. Uh, ben Simmons says he's, he's going to be ready to play this week. 
Um, we need to know how I do think you it feel was a win about for, this Ben Simmons James Harden trade because you ain't got to deal with as many shots. You got to deal with nearly as many shots, and then Ben Simmons get to play the role that he been wanting to play. He don't want to take no damn shots. He don't want to take no shots. He in there to pass first and play defense now. Mm-hmm. And you got two prolific scores in KD and Kyrie, and you got bench scores in Patty Mills and Seth Curry. So you already dealing with you know a scoreability that you ain't normally gonna have on a team. And you know, I think it's gonna help them out, and I think it's a win for Philly too, though, because now. It create more. It create more space for Embiid to work because he got MVP caliber player, and you know having another MVP talent on the team is going to open the floor up a little bit more for him to play his game too. And you know obviously he got a big bag of what he can do, and I think he's just going to add to it more learning from somebody like James Harden who is, you know, one of the best scorers in the league. So you know, I think it's a win win. I don't think it's a loss on anybody's side. Now they play what the seventeenth March March I think March tenth tenth I'm March gonna try 10th. to book one of those to mm-hmm. see it because huh. it's gonna be must see basketball yeah oh yeah I'm I'm ready to see when uh when Ben oh, yeah. Simmons go back to Philly they ruthless up. Philly fans are gonna show I got out. Ben Simmons hit three threes gonna tough. he gonna hit three threes hey, he worked on and they're going to lose their He mind. might pick something up. Mm-hmm. He needs to get with I'm shooting mm-hmm. for it, man. But just in terms of in terms of trade analysis, I, I agree completely. Because I think that Brooklyn, though it was kind of kept under wraps in the last, like, two weeks before the trade happened, it seemed like they were not getting what they wanted out of James Harden in terms of, uh, you know, just him being – okay with his situation and finishing out the season to the best of his ability. And we know the situation with Ben Simmons in Philadelphia was not good. It was very toxic, uh, you know, whatever descriptor you want to use. So being that both teams were going to be in a, in a situation where they weren't getting the most out of either guy, I think, you know, the, the trade kind of had to happen. And with Simmons being kind of a dead asset for the 76ers, I think, you know, it's just – it's the best possible situation for Philly, even with all like they have to get up that you get James Harden on the back end Like, of Ben Simmons acting like and, you know, kid. Like, come on, man. Like, just how they all handle oh, those trade yeah, situations is what I don't understand. Now, I get you don't like a situation. You ain't always going to be dealt with the cards that you like either whenever you go and play in the poker game or when you go and play in, you know, blackjack. You ain't always going to get the same kind of cards you want, but you can at least play with what you got until the time being like they deal with it by sitting out by playing like a shitty basketball player like bro just play the game that's all you gotta do play the game somebody will figure something else somebody will figure something out for you like you ain't gotta be a kid about it I don't think Philly yeah. I don't think Philly really yeah, I agree with you they yeah. gave a, up lot. a lot for James Hart they gave up Seth Curry Drummond but think about Two first what, round picks. Um, who else they give up? It was somebody. Ben, yeah, it was somebody. They gave up too much, I think. But James, way Harden. too much. I just, I just don't. Th- I think that with Embiid playing as well as he's playing, um, and you know, you expect Simmons to be there and to and to be a contributor. 
they needed some somebody that could come and contribute and let's just say make them a a reasonable assumption as a title contender. And with their current roster, they were not. Even with Joel Embiid playing as well as he's playing, so you pair him with James Harden, you at least have a fighting chance of playing. But they decimated their rebounding year. and their and I think defense. To, to, they des- like they got rid of everything that made them a somewhat decent team at the time. No, they kept Thibel. Um and you know Drummond does provide a lot for you on the glass. He provides a lot for you on the defensive end, but Embiid, being the force that he is inside. He's kind of Drummond plus. So, obviously, you'd rather have two of them, but and to Seth have Curry. Joel Embiid still and to add probably. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. In, in terms of stuff that they gave up, I agree that they gave up a lot, but to say that they, they gave, gave up, up too much, I just don't know. Like I said, Ben Simmons to the Philadelphia. Are, the two first-round picks yeah. are really getting me. That's mm-hmm. the other thing I'm talking I don't about. Like, they gave up all those players plus two first-round picks. But you got to think, if so Philly think is win- winning, those are not going East. to be great picks. Those are going to be picks in the 20s. and that's, We know – I think that they won't be top 10 picks. So, I mean, two first-round picks. We know that the, a lot of times that, you know, those picks do end up being valuable. But more times than not, those don't end up being very valuable players. When you're They're talking about players. the late 20s – excuse me, not even the late 20s. They just players. picks in the 20s. They go you need those. A lot of – a lot of the a lot of the picks in the twenties don't end up being started. I just feel like, you know, Philly could have Philly could have handled it a lot better. Like getting instead of giving away those draft picks, man. Like that's like you said, they giving away parts of things that they was gonna draft to need. Like if we just said that those are the picks that'll be role players, you're not gonna draft superstars to come play with Ben Simmons. I mean, not Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and James Harden. You're gonna draft role players. Somebody who can come compliment their game, and you just gave two of them away, and the role players you already had on the team. So I feel like they're looking at it that way. It's a it's a win just to, from the aspect of getting Ben Simmons out of the off of the team and bringing in a person that can help compliment Joel Embiid. But I think they gave up a lot to get a player, you know. Yeah. But this is not just a player. James Harden had James no play. He went down for, how, for however up and down James Harden. He he, he went. Did he you went, see his stats from yesterday? Philly, but before that, they didn't know how great he was going to be because he hadn't been playing well in Brooklyn the past year. I I understand that much, but I'm just saying when you talk about James Harden's ceiling, even now, you can't just say that you're just trading him for a player because you're trading him for a former MVP, a guy that can do everything that you need him to do offensively, and just like like one of the best offensive talents in the NBA. And there's no, I don't yeah, think there's any debate on that. He's definitely one of the best offensive talents in the NBA. And though the role players, oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I think the com- the combined force of them together makes them a title contender with Curry, Drummond, and I'm sure, well, the two first round picks obviously weren't there. But I'm just saying, Curry, Curry, and Drummond were not enough to make them title so you contenders. Think they, even they with them be. James Harden makes them a title contender with Joel Embiid right now. So yeah, who y'all last and who who coming out the East? I don't the think Bucks. they will. I think they can out the East. And I'm gonna go with the Warriors because we just like we discussed it earlier. They ain't at full power right now. 
they're not at full power and they can win games. Yeah. And just looking at the West, now teams like Utah, teams like Denver, like you got young talent on them teams or Phoenix even. Like Phoenix was there last year. Like I just feel like you just got you still got established dominance on the Warriors team. You still got experienced finals players on those on that team that can help build that young talent like Kaminga. I don't even know how you say bro last name. The the first one yeah, Kaminga. Kaminga. Like Kaminga. Like mm-hmm. shoot, who else they got? They got um they got Moody, just who but he started yeah, him on the got now. Aiden Junior, they uh, got like they got all of they got Jordan Poole. They can yeah. mold in the championship type players and they already Jordan know what Poole. it takes. Yeah. You get Clay back, you get Draymond back, you get Wiseman back, that's gonna be a that's the team that I think is gonna be the beatable team, the unbeatable team. Like the Bucks, they nice. You know, shout out Bobby P because that boy been hooping. But I think that's mm-hmm. gonna be that game. I think that's the finals. Going crazy. I got Bucks Warriors too. I got Bucks Suns Part Two. I'm gonna go ahead and stamp that now. I got Bucks Suns Part Two. Chris Paul gonna come back. Chris Paul mid man. I don't know. I think, I think he to Bucks that he to that age, he to the age now in his career. Yeah, we're not. You know, injuries gonna, gonna be a factor today. in the how long he could play in the playoffs, you know. And I think he's going to be – he's going to need to be a key contributor. And we already seen the book ain't really just showed us he know how to take over and win playoff games. He needs CP3. And if Chris Paul ain't playing or he playing limited minutes, it can get ugly when they playing the Warriors, when they playing the Nuggets, when they playing the Jazz, when they playing the Lakers, if the Lakers make the playoff. You know, we need them to, but – you know, yeah, I think it get ugly whenever it's just like that. I, I'm gonna I'm have to disagree there, but shoot, I guess we'll see. We'll see. Well, Rich, we we greatly appreciate you taking hey, the time out your busy schedule. You've been a tough man to pin down over the course of these last. Yeah, weeks, but we got you on here. We got you on here, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters. We wish you the best of luck. Uh, you got we appreciate else y'all, y'all. We appreciate K. Rich for stopping by. Um, come back next week for the next episode. Y'all have a good one. Get out of here. Peace. When you make it through the struggle in the pain, do you get your umbrella off the chance that it might rain? I stood tall. When I see my people going through it, I put the blame on me And I see my homie lose his mind, but I gave him his first taste of lean I ain't gonna lie, that really hurt me, but I had to close the curtains And one thing I learned on Lion King is everybody gotta eat Never tell a party, let me get a whole piece And all the homie can't get that from me You play football, you got a bright future, you supposed to see you on the TV And I said, that's true, and I'm gonna do it But I really gotta make something happen And I probably could have asked my family for something But instead I started hitting leaks with daddy like a bandit, and then Murph told me, Keep your head on, man. Don't do nothing reckless. But now I'm older now. I'm a grown man. Go to church every Sunday. I'm a praying man. You ain't gonna never see me fall. I'm always standing. One thing I do is stick to the plan. When you make it through the struggle, you the truth. When that pressure get applied, is you gon' pass it?